The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Since the Passover of the Jews was near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers seated there. He made a whip out of cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and oxen and spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, Take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples recalled the words of scripture, Zeal for your house will consume me. At this the Jews answered and said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they came to believe the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. While he was in Jerusalem for the feast of Passover, many began to believe in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. But Jesus would not trust himself to them because he knew them all and did not need anyone to testify about human nature. He himself understood it well. The Gospel of the Lord. Do I have to bow every time I... (laughs) I just don't want to step on anybody's train or feet. Now, I could be real mean and ask someone here to recount what was at the heart of my last homily last week. Everybody's praising it. Yeah, I want to do it. Well, today's homily I'm going to name Here We Go Again because it's basically the same basic information that we got last week. And if you remember, I said we have a problem. And we're the problem. It's not God. God has done everything he could do so that we can be holy and avoid sin. But again and again, we really follow the story of the Bible. You know, that's our story. When God created Adam and Eve in Eden, literally what he's doing is creating this perfect place, which really is supposed to be the temple of God's dwelling. Now, of course, when Adam and Eve sinned, that was the end of that. And so they went into the world and had to deal with all of the evil of the world and create evil, unfortunately. And again, as we know the story, despite our sinfulness and despite God even kind of washing away all the bad stuff with Noah and the flood, we still continue to sin, but God continued to send people to treat, to tell people what to do, to avoid sin, to do the good. So we have the story of Moses bringing the people the Ten Commandments. This was a gift from God. 
a gift to the people so that they knew exactly what they had to do in order to avoid evil. Now, that didn't stop anything. As you remember, the first time Moses went up the mountain and he stayed there quite a while, and he came down, and what did he find? He found the people were worshiping a golden calf. I mean, who are these people? They see these great deeds. They were brought out of Egypt, and suddenly they're turning away from God. And that's the story, our story. And what did Moses do? He broke the commandments. He had to get another set and bring them down. But he was very angry. And what did he do to try and cleanse things? Well, he ground up the golden calf and he put it in water and he made the Israelites drink it as a punishment. But here we have Moses, the great lawgiver. And I, I can imagine how upset he must have been. Because here they were all witnesses to this great, glorious coming out of Egypt, and then they fall right back into their own ways. And again, you know, we can say, oh, those bad Israelites. Well, we do the same thing. We do the same thing. We know better, but what do we do? We sometimes, you know, make presumptions or say, well, in this situation, etc., etc. And yet, it's very clear from Scripture that God, number one, is giving us the law to protect us from ourselves. And number two, he's not giving us anything we can't fulfill. So it's not as if the law is way up here, but it's rather in our midst. And we can follow it. But if we look at the Old Testament again and again, it's really God sending people like Abraham and Moses and the prophets and David to repair the damage that the people were doing. And it happens again and again and again. And then we get to Jesus, of course, who is the only one who could really repair the damage that was created by Adam and Eve. So through his suffering, death, and resurrection, he defeated the power of sin and death, which means we don't have to sin. Temptation doesn't have to overwhelm us. And we don't have to be afraid of death. And we can live our lives like Paul lived it, who said, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? So Jesus comes along, and of course, just like a great prophet, what did he do in today's reading? He goes into the temple, and the temple was this magnificent structure that was dedicated to the Lord, and the people believed that when the Lord was on the earth, he was in that temple. And so this is a very, very sacred place. And he comes up, Jesus comes up for the Passover, and he sees the money changers and those selling oxen and lambs. And they did that all year long. So it wasn't just Passover. And there are even some scholars say that during Passover, because there were so many people coming into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and we're talking maybe two million people, that they spilled out into the what they call the court of the Gentiles, which was the outer court of the temple, and were selling all their wares. And even that was not necessarily the worst of things, but what Jesus saw was cheating. You know, they you know, just like um, uh, our government or corporations, they raise prices at certain times when everybody wants the same thing. Well, they did it back then too. And so they were in particular way cheating the poor who could not afford 
uh, certainly not afford an ox, maybe a couple of sparrows, but that was about it. So Jesus says you're, you're destroying the whole purpose and the holiness of the temple. And so he got a rope and put knots in it and he, he, he kicked him out of there, cleansing the temple in a sense, re-sanctifying it. Now, of course, as we know, Jesus himself is the temple. And we too are temples because as we receive Jesus, we become temples of God. So we are holy. It's not just a building. It's not just, just this church that's holy. But we are holy temples of the Lord. And so the question is, what are we letting into our temples that's making a mockery of the worship of God? What do we need to do in order to repair the damage of our temple that we have caused? What are the sins that we need to get rid of, to repent of, to clean it out? So when Jesus is going to clean out the temple, it's not just this physical thing. It's, it's the cleanliness of all God's people if they want to be focused on the Lord and do the Lord's work. That's what God calls us to do. So here we are in Lent, and this is a Lenten reading. We're being told, repent. Clean everything out. Don't take a chance. You got all the information you need. You've got Moses and the law. You got Elijah and the prophets, which we read about uh, in the story of the transfiguration. We have Jesus himself saying that he is the perfect temple, and he's going to do something that's going to change everything. And of course he did. So we're leading up to Holy Week and to his death and resurrection, which brings about the change that we all need. But despite that, we fall into sin. And we don't have to. We can't accidentally sin. No one forces us to sin. We choose it. And that's why it's so important to constantly make sure our temple, our souls, our hearts are clean to go in there all the time and see what's hiding, what, what's the, the dust or the dirt, what's the vermin in our hearts that's making our temple not an appropriate place for God to reside in. What do we need to do? Now, I'm not suggesting you go home, go into the garage and get a rope and put some knots in it and start you know, beating yourself. Um, I mean, you can go ahead if you want. Or maybe go into the kitchen, get a knife, and I hear serrated knives work particularly well. <laughs> now, we're not going to do that, but we do have to take seriously, what are we going to do to cleanse us who are the dwelling places of the Most High God? And, and in a sense, to recognize the, God, the dwelling of God in one another and honoring one another and to doing the good stuff so that even though the money changers and those who sold the animals were cheating... We're not going to cheat. We better not cheat. We're supposed to be for the poor. And if we have done something that has cheated other people, what are we going to do to repair it? What are we going to do to cleanse ourselves of that evil? And, of course, we have the sacrament of confession. A free gift from God costs nothing. We go in, confess our sins, and they are forgiven. And we never have to go back to them. And no matter how many times we sin... No matter what we do that's sinful, God is willing to forgive us so that we can have a clean temple and join 
all the others of the church who are working to have clean temples, to, to have the Lord in us so that as we go forth, we have the power and the authority to represent God and to do what God calls us to do. We don't hear a lot in the, the, the next couple of readings about Jesus um, curing or uh, exercising demons, but he's always doing that. So the scriptures say people came to believe because they're watching him. They're seeing what he's doing. He's showing us not just who God is and what God can do, but he's also showing us what we're supposed to be doing and how we are called to live our lives. We're supposed to be another Jesus Christ in the world. So Lent, again, is a wonderful opportunity to do that house cleaning. Now, fortunately, the northern hemisphere comes during spring. The southern hemisphere comes during fall. But, you know, spring cleaning, we all do that. We have to do that with our hearts and our minds and our souls as well. So we have quite a few weeks left of Lent. What are we going to do to repair whatever damage we have done to the temple that we are? What do we need to do to express our uh, repentance to the Lord? What do we need to do in reparation? And what do we want to do to let other people know that God's always available, always ready to forgive and to help us cleanse ourselves so that we can be fitting dwelling places of God? Because that's what God wants. He just, it's not a place. It's not um, any particular area. But it's us. He wants to dwell in us. So when you think of that, what a wonderful privilege and gift that is that the Most High God actually wants to take up residence in each and every one of us. So Lent's the time to look into that. What do we need to do to, to clean out whatever is evil, to kick out the things that perhaps um, tempt us so often? What do we need to do to really shine up everything so that we're just not free of sin, but we're actually acting on what we're called to do. Proclaiming the gospel, reaching out to the pure, curing people, raising the dead. All the things that Jesus did and says to us, this is what I want you to do as well. So Lent's just one opportunity, obviously. We should be doing it all during the year. But one opportunity to take seriously who we are called to be in a wonderful way to be truly dwelling places of God. let us profess our faith using the Apostles' Creed on page 2. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty.
From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Turn to us, O Lord, and have mercy on us as we place before you the needs of our world. Lord, hear our prayer. The government officials work together to free those held captive because of injustice. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. 